Welcome back to Leader Lab. I am your host, David Burkus, and this month joining me in the Leader Lab is Marshall Goldsmith, uh, the author of several books, but I'm going to let him, him introduce himself. So, Marshall, who are you and what do you do? Well, I do three things. I teach classes for uh, business schools or for corporate executives. I coach executives, and my clients are CEOs or could be CEOs of multi-billion dollar companies, and I write books and articles. And I've written, I've written or edited 29 books, and um, my biggest selling book is called What Got You Here Won't Get You There, which was a Wall Street Journal number one bestseller and business book of the year. And my new book is called Mojo, and it made it up to number two in the United States, and it's currently number one in China. So life is good. Number one in China, that's pretty awesome. I mean, China's, China's the new rise, and you're right there ahead of it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's fun. Well, um, I want to get into Mojo a lot because there's a lot of good stuff uh, in the book. But first, I wanted to ask you, uh, we have yet to have an executive coaching, uh, an executive coach on Leader Lab. So I wanted to ask you, what is executive coaching uh, and how did you get into it? Because um, knowing your background, you were originally a researcher, correct? Well, my undergraduate degree is in mathematical economics, very different. Uh, I got into, well, first, what is an executive coach? There are many different coaches. I wrote a book, or edited a book called The Art and Practice of Leadership Coaching. It talks about 50 different coaches and what they do, and they do about 45 different things. What I do is very simple. I help very successful leaders achieve positive long-term change in behavior for themselves, their people, and their teams. So when I refer to executive coaching in terms of what I do, and I don't say everyone else does exactly that, that's what I do. I help great people get better. And then how did I get into it? Purely by accident. One of my clients was CEO of a big company, and he said, I've got this young guy working for us. Young, smart, dedicated, driven to achieve, creative, entrepreneurial, stubborn, know-it-all. It would be worth a fortune to me if I could turn that guy around. I heard the word fortune. I said, fortunes are good. I like fortunes. Maybe I could help him. He said, I doubt it. He, I said, well, maybe I could. He said, I doubt it. And then I came up with my idea. So I'll work with the guy for a year. If he gets better, pay me. If he doesn't get better, it's all free. He said, Sold. Since then, all of my work in executive coaching is done on a penalty for results basis. I don't get paid for my clients don't get better. And better is not judged by me or them. It's judged by everyone around them. Hmm. And, and how do you go about uh, measuring that improvement? Oh, very simple. We do something called 360-degree feedback. I interview everyone around them to start with and develop a profile. Then we write specific items, and they actually get numerical measures my typical client has uh, 18 key stakeholders. Wow. So that's a, that's a lot of 360-degree feedback, but uh, it makes sense. I mean, if, if, if you need to get better, you should be judged by the people around you. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So. I mean, to me, a self-assessment is very unreliable. You know, how do I know I got better? Ask me. Not real impressive. Or even worse, ask the coach who has a total vested interest. Especially if he's only being paid if he's, if he's going to get better. Well, then obviously he got better, right? I'm the coach. He got better. Pay me. Exactly. So that's not what I do. Everyone else decides, not me. Well, well speaking, of, speaking of getting better and performance improvement, the, the new book has, has a lot to do, I think, with uh, increasing performance and, and even sort of on an intrinsic motivational level. Uh, the new book is Mojo, How to Get It, How to Keep It, and How to Get It Back if You Lose It. Uh, I guess we'll start at the beginning. What is Mojo? Mojo is that positive spirit toward what you are doing now that starts from the inside and radiates to the outside. And I, I'm, I'm curious, I, uh, we at Leader Lab, our, our kind of our mission is to promote the practice of theory and using solid research, 360-degree feedback, et cetera. 
And I noticed when I read Mojo a lot of similarities between Mojo uh, and Csikszentmihalyi's concept of flow. Talk a little bit about the similarities and differences in, in your definitions. Well, I think there are a lot of similarities. What I talk about that might be slightly different is I don't just look at more of what you might call a peak experience. Uh, let me give you an example. In, in the book, my three favorite lines are, our default reaction in life is not to experience happiness. Our default reaction in life is not to experience meaning. Our default reaction in life is to experience inertia. And I have this mojo meter, a simple tool you can use every day where you start evaluating yourself on a 1 to 10 scale on two questions. How happy was I and how meaningful was this? Let me tell you why I think this works. For example, you have to go to a meeting, a boring meeting, stupid PowerPoint slides. Meeting lasts for an hour. You know you have to go anyway. You're dreading it. If you knew at the end of that meeting you're going to have to evaluate yourself on how happy was I and how meaningful is this, you know what? You'd act differently. You'd say, well, I've got to spend the hour anyway. That hour of my life is gone. I could make myself and everyone around me miserable, but that's one hour of misery that goes to my life. Why don't I make it better? Well, you may not get into some state of flow, which would be like a 10, but you may raise that one up to a 5. And a lot of life, we're not going to be at a 10. And a lot of life is not about getting perfect. I've pretty much gotten over trying to help people be perfect. My goal is just to help people get better. You know, I, I, I have to confess, I heard you say that at a, at a Google talk that I watched on YouTube, um, and I totally stole that line. That my goal is just to help you get better. Uh, I hope you don't mind. I, I've not now stolen a Marshall Goldsmith line. <laughs> I give everything away anyway. All my material you can copy, share, download, duplicate. Use in church, use in charity, use with your friends, use any way you want. I don't care. Oh, fantastic. Well, then I'll have to look around through the, through the library and steal some more stuff. Feel free. It says right at the right at the front. It says take whatever you want. And by the way, there's only one misnomer. You cannot steal what someone gives you. Very you good can't point. steal it. Can't steal what's been given to you. Very good point. So, um, shifting back to Mojo, how how do people get Mojo, or how do people attain Mojo if they don't have it? Well, my suggestion is you look on the inside and you ask yourself what makes me happy, and what is meaningful to me, and you try to spend as much as your life as you can, doing those things. Uh, I've done these programs at my house with retiring CEOs, and the topic is, what are we going to do the rest of our lives? And there's only five things we come up to matter. The first one is health. And you need to be in good health, and health is critically important. After that, wealth. But wealth is only important, usually sixty to 80000 bucks a year. After that, wealth is not that much more relevant then after that, relationships are very important. In my previous book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There, talks about relationships. But assuming you have good relationships, what else matters? The only two things that matter are happiness and meaning. Are you engaged in activities that make you happy and you find to be meaningful? Assuming that you're healthy, you get good relationships with people, you get at least an upper middle class kind of income level, then all that matters is are you doing what makes you happy or are you doing what's meaningful for you? I mean, I've known billionaires that I would consider to be miserable. I wouldn't define them as successful. So to me, successful is not something you can judge from the outside. Successful is only something you can judge from the inside. Now, those, those billionaires that are miserable that uh, personally, as a non-billionaire, I love to hear about, um, they're, they're probably experiencing another term that I've, I found in your book, which is nojo. What is nojo right. and how is it different from mojo? Well, no, Joe, is that negative spirit toward what you're doing that starts on the inside and 
radiates to the outside. And no, Joe, would be the opposite of enthusiastic. You're just treading water. You're getting by. You don't want to be there. You're apathetic, cynical, zombie-like. And a great place to observe this, I find, is on airplanes. I fly constantly, and let's say there's two flight attendants, and I'm sure everyone's seen this. One is positive, upbeat, motivated, enthusiastic. Another one is bitter, angry, cynical, and negative. Hey, they're both on the same plane with the same uniform, with the same customers getting the same pay. What's the difference? The difference is clearly not what's going on on the outside. It's what's going on on the inside. I had an experience the other day that was very meaningful. I was sitting next to a woman on the airplane who was a retired flight attendant. I gave her my book, and we talked for a while. And I said, you know, I mentioned flight attendants in the book. And she said, oh, I love being a flight attendant. It was kind of like such a great experience for me. And I asked her, what was it about her? What about being a flight attendant that she loved? And she said, I saw, let's say we're on a two-hour flight. That was my ministry. This was two hours where I could communicate to these people through my words and actions what a human being should be like. I thought, wow, that was impressive. This woman was a flight attendant. She wasn't doing some fancy job. Also, I talk about in the book a man named Dennis Mudd who changed my life. He put on roofs, and I was helping him put on roofs. And I was very, you know, I didn't want to do it. It's hard work. I was in Kentucky. I was lazy. But he was so enthusiastic and motivated, he got me excited about building a great roof. Then when he finished the roof, he looked at my father, Bill, and he said, Bill, if this roof is of high quality, pay me. If it's not, it's free. I looked at this guy, Dennis Mudd, and I thought, you know, this guy's poor, but he's got class. I'm going to be like Dennis Mudd when I grow up. So my pay-only-for-results coaching idea, who gave me that idea? Dennis Mudd from Valley Station, Kentucky, a man putting on roofs. So you don't have to have some fancy job to have mojo, and you don't have to be rich. I met some people who are not rich at all and don't have fancy jobs, but have very high scores on happiness and meaning in life. Very, very intriguing. Now, I, I know from, from reading the book that there are four um, main areas, and, and one of them actually you, you talked about in that uh, example of the roofer, um, but there are four areas of mojo. Uh, what are they? Well, the first one is identity. The second one is achievement. The third one is reputation. And the fourth one is acceptance. Identity, if mojo is that positive spirit toward what you are doing, it starts on the inside and radiates to the outside. The question is, who is the you and you? Our identity is how we define ourselves. And I talk about how we unnecessarily limit ourselves with identities in ways that we don't have to. And in the book, I mentioned the, the example of having dinner with the rock star Bono, which is a very interesting experience. I didn't really know any of his music since it was recorded after 1975. But we had a lovely dinner. He talked about his identity. He talked about being a regular guy, being a music fan, being a musician, being a rock star, and now being a humanitarian. What I was impressed was the guy wasn't a fake humanitarian. He's a real humanitarian. And it made me realize we can all create a new identity for ourselves. We don't have to be what we've been or limit to ourselves to what we've been. Then the second thing I talk about is achievement. And I look at achievement from two dimensions in the book. One is, what does this activity give to me? The second one, though, is kind of different. Uh, excuse me. The first one is, what do I give to this activity? That's the more normal one. That's motivation, ability, understanding, um, confidence, and authenticity. But the second one is more different. What's this activity give to me? Is it rewarding for me? Do I feel supported to make me happy? Do I find it to be meaningful? Am I grateful for the opportunity of doing it? 
And we often look at achievement in terms of what am I giving it, but we don't look at it, what is it giving me? Then the third dimension we talk about in Mojo is reputation. And I talk about how reputation can impact your mojo and how reputation is important and why it's hard to change our reputation and how to change it. And then finally, the final factor, the most Buddhist, I'm a Buddhist, the most Buddhist part of the book is about acceptance. That's learning to change, either change me or change it. I look at my environment if I'm not happy and say, what in this environment can I change? Can't change it, then I got another choice, change me. If I can't change my environment, how can I change myself? So I become happier and I find more meaning in the environment where I live. So changing me, changing it. And I talk about acceptance. One thing I, I like in a book is ta- I learned from Peter Drucker. It's a point almost nobody ever gets. Every decision in the world is made by the person who has the power to make the decision. Make peace with that. Not the smartest person or the best person or the right person. It's made by that person. We spend hours of our lives complaining about, quote, them. Aren't they stupid? They're idiots. How could they be so dumb? Why did they do bad things? Well, they're not wasting their life complaining about us. And make a point. If you can make a difference, make a difference. If you can't make a difference, look in the mirror and change what you can, accept what you can't, and get on with life. You know, it's funny. It reminds me of something I always used to tell uh, people I met in college when getting ready to go out, you know, to a party or whatever, and everyone's so focused on what they look like. And I used to always say, you know what, I guarantee you that everybody else is not necessarily focused on what you look like. They're focused on them. And even if they are, you're not going to be able to change their opinion anyway. So just look how you want to look and and move on. And actually, I I love that principle of acceptance. Uh, You have a story in in the book about um, sitting in a hotel lobby. And I I literally, I was laid over in a flight about, uh, I don't remember how, how long ago it was, and I literally recalled that story and just said, you know, I'm, I'm stuck at the airport and I'll accept it. I'll make the best of it. And went um, and went out and bought a uh, went to the bookstore, you know, the airport bookstore, bought a book and read it and loved it and had a grand old time for you know an hour and a half that I was laid over in Dallas. Which is opposed to as opposed to saying, oh no, I've got a layover. This is awful. It's terrible. I have to change my flight. You know, which you could have done for what? What's the point? Yeah, I, I can't exactly convince American Airlines to make my flight happen earlier. Nope. I got 10 million frequent flyer miles. You know what I learned? I can't make the airplane take off, and I can't make it land. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so let me ask you this. A lot of the, the uh, mission of Leader Lab is to help give uh, leaders solid things that they can go out and apply, um, mm-hmm. like Mojo. What, what recommendations do you have to leaders for helping uh, them experience Mojo and also uh, helping their people experience Mojo? Well, I'll talk about it from two perspectives. The first perspective is from my coaching perspective. What I teach leaders to do is very simple. That is to get confidential feedback on how they're perceived, to learn what they're perceived as doing well and what they need to do better. Then the second suggestion is talk to people about what they learn in a way that sounds like this. You know, I just got feedback. Here's what I feel good about. Here's something I want to improve. Please give me ideas for the future, not feedback about the past, but ideas for the future in terms of how I could do a better job of this. And then learn to sit there, shut up, listen, say thank you. Don't promise to do everything people say. Leadership's not a popularity contest. I'd say, I can't promise to do everything you and everybody say, but I can listen and think about it and do what I can. And then follow up on a rigorous basis. Things like, you know, it's been two months, four months, give me input. And measure, do you improve? Well, I did a research study called Leadership as a Context Board with 86,000 participants in eight major corporations. Guess what? People that did the stuff I taught got better. 
people that didn't, didn't. Well, they didn't get better because they listened to me give a speech. They get better because they did some work. You want to be a better leader? Go work at it. You have to be a better leader because you read a book. I mean, when my book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There, was the number one ranked best-selling business book in the United States. Number one best-selling diet book, sold 10 times as many copies. Americans get fatter and fatter and fatter and read more and more diet books. Reading diet books doesn't make you thin. You're going to go on a diet. The challenge of what I teach is not understanding it. I mean, it works. The challenge is doing it. That's a great analogy with diet books. I, I think about that all the time, every time. I think uh, Alicia Silverstone is the number one New York Times bestseller with some, with some diet book, and it's, you, you're thinking, that's not going to help people. And, and unfortunately, the guys, I'm a fan of the guys at 37 Signals, and their book's you know, ranked below it. And I think, you know, their book's about going and getting stuff done. Let's, let's do that. And it's, it's the same way with uh, what got you, what got you there won't get you, what got you here won't get you there, and also Mojo. Um, right. Interesting, interesting point though. I, I think you with Mojo have done a great job of helping people get the gist and begin to apply it. And that's with uh, I don't know if many people know this. There's not just uh, the Mojo book. There's also a book called Mojo Tweet. What is Mojo Tweet? Right. Mojo Tweet book is the whole book is broken down into tweets. So these little bite-sized nuggets of information from the book, and the whole book is broken down into tweets. I've been surprised how much that has sold. You know, it's sold a bunch of copies in, in uh, you know, you can actually buy the printed book or you can get it electronically. So, yeah, you can, you've got Mojo the book, and then you've got Mojo tweet the book. Yeah, no, I, I love it. it. And it's, get the gist and then, you know, get out there and apply it. And, and and help help other people experience Mojo because they're already in 140 characters. So tweet it out yourself. That's right. And the other thing is with uh, we have a lot of Mojo applications. If you go to MojoTheBook.com, we have the Mojo Scorecard, Mojo Meter. A lot of little practical applications you can use, and they're all free. Oh well, well fantastic. Now um, I, I love the use of the applications and the scorecard um, in Mojo because it reminds me of an exercise that I, I think I first read that you do um, in What Got You Here Won't Get You There. But talk a little bit about your own. You actually have a coach. Is that correct? Yeah, and the daily question coaching. Yeah. Yes, I do. And we, we go over 24 questions a day. First question on a 1 to 10. Every question has to be answered with yes, no, or a number. I have 24 questions. He has 17 questions. Nothing magic about 24 or 17. You write as many as you want. Every question, yes, no, or a number, put it on an Excel spreadsheet. It takes five minutes a day. First question, 1 to 10 scale. How happy were you yesterday? Second question, 1 to 10 scale. How meaningful was yesterday? Another question, how many times yesterday did you try to prove you were right when it wasn't worth it? How many angry or destructive comments did you make about people yesterday? Did you say or do something nice for your wife, your son, your daughter? Just a bunch of basic questions about life. How many minutes did you write? How much do you weigh? How many alcoholic drinks did you have? Two's okay. 20's bad. So just a lot of basic questions about life every day to keep you honest so that we can look at our behavior and say, do our values align with our behavior? And my friend Jim, who's my peer coach, would tell you this changed. It didn't change his life, saved his life. One question I ask him is, are you currently updated on your physical exam? He said, no, 90 days in a row. After 90 days, he said, this is ridiculous. I got to get my exam or quit asking. He got his exam. Doctor said, you have cancer. He's going to be fine. Doctor also said, had you waited seven months, you'd be dead. He's 65 years old. He knew he should have gotten a physical exam. Just didn't do it. Well, you got somebody holding that mirror in your face every day. It gets hard to hide. 
Very, very, very true. And now, how do those questions develop? Are they are they unique to you, or write your own? You can go to my. You know, send me an email, Marshall at marshallgoldsmith dot com. I'll send you an article about it and a copy of my own questions. But the key is not that you use my questions or his questions. The key is use your own questions. What, and what do you want to be evaluated on, and and pick them. That's that's. You know, it, it's genius, and yet it's so simple. I love it. Everything I do is pretty simple. Uh, my clients, as I said, are CEOs. It could be a CEOs of multi-billion-dollar companies. You might think they want to hear about complicated things. Nah, they want to hear about simple things. They don't have time to do complicated things. No, I, I love it, and, and that's what we're that's what we're trying to do here at Leader Lab is take a lot of things that are researched and those those three sixty degree feedback methods and all of that, uh, and make it simple. Because in, if it, just like a diet book, it, you can understand how the glycemic index works, but if you don't if you translate that into don't eat Wonder Bread then nothing changes. Exactly right. Well, uh, our last two questions are kind of a lightning round questions we ask all guests. And the first is, uh, what are you reading right now? Uh, my favorite book I'm reading, I've read it more than once, is called Old Path, White Clouds. Old Path, White Clouds. And the author is Tick, T-H-I-C-H, not N-H-A-T, Hung, H-A-N-H. I love this book. Buddhist book. Okay. Yeah, it's he's a Buddhist monk from Vietnam. Um, he's, I mean, I've sold over a million books, and he's sold way more than I have. Uh, he's a really internationally well-known Buddhist monk, and this is my favorite of his books. And it's a book about Buddhism. It's written like children's bedtime stories. Really easy to read. Gives you a great sort of gut feel for Buddhism, but it's not preachy. It's written like it's written like a bunch of stories. I love it. And it goes right back to that simplicity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it. Oh, well, and then the last question, uh, I know you're, you're, you're promoting Mojo, and you're also continuing to work for, with clients, but uh, what's next for Marshall Goldsmith? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, my good friend is Mark Thompson. He is the co-author of a book called Success Built to Last. We have a condo that we own together in New York City, and Mark is a great guy. We're contemplating doing a book together called Valuing Yourself. Now, he's an expert at money. He was the uh, Fortune Magazine Midas Touch Investor of the Year. And he's an expert at encouraging people to do things that produce financial value and not being hesitant to get money back for what they do because it adds value. And then my area is getting people to value themselves more from the emotional perspective. So we're thinking of writing a book about valuing yourself in different ways you can value yourself and and then of course contrary not devalue yourself so we haven't started yet but it's that's my just a new idea that we have for a book oh that, that sounds like a great project well well in in the meantime to all of you out there the book is mojo uh if you're short on time the other book is mojo tweet uh, marshall how can people get a hold of you if they have any uh any questions, or if they, I believe you already gave it out, but if they want those, uh, your 24 questions. Just send me an email, Marshall, M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L, at marshallgoldsmith.com. Fantastic. Well, Marshall, thank you for joining us today in the Leader Lab. Thank you very much. <laughs>